Hey, good morning. Morning, folks. Brilliant. Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you for your stunned silence. Um, welcome to International Harvest Church this morning. So if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Ben. Um, I'm part of the leadership team here. Uh, Pastor Clive and Sally, I think uh, Karis already said, they're in Leeds this morning sharing the message with um, the church down there and probably speaking in very similar theme to what we've been talking about uh, last week particularly. This week, I wonder if you can, uh, if you can give me a wave, Sh- show me a hand, if you would like to be more prosperous and live longer. Not everybody's responding to that, which I find hilarious, right? I think it's brilliant. I sort of knew that would, would happen or I expected that would happen because you know, if you were watching daytime TV or something, or a commercial, and someone came in and was like, who wants to live longer and be more successful in life? You'd be like, yeah, me, brilliant, you know, show me, I'll sign up for a 30-day free trial, here's my credit card number, and I'll just remember to cancel it, and you know, you'd, like, you'd, you'd, you'd do that. But because it's church, you know there's a trick. You know, you know there's, like, there's going to be a sting in the tail, you know no one kind of stands up here and says, oh yeah, it's going to be amazing, and you know, there's a string attached, and you're like, hmm, what, what's the... What's the trick here this morning? We'll get to that. But don't worry, look, the string is attached, um, but it's attached to the Bible, so everything's going to be all right. Um, So we're going to continue this series on all of us that Pastor Clive started two weeks ago, and really looking at the relationships that the Bible says are most important in many different areas of our lives. And one of the things that we saw last week as Pastor Clive was preaching about the nation and the sort of build up the election, I think in my head there's a really clear connection between this series that we're in about relationships and the sort of slight um, sidestep into Clive's message last week and then back into relationships. Because actually as I think about it, a, the strength of a nation is purely dependent on the strength of the relationships in that nation. If you have a nation where there's conflict in families and breakdown in relationships, then you're not going to have a successful, prosperous, fruitful, you know, strong nation. And so this is one of the things in our heart, again, we say this very often, is as we look at the Bible and as we think about what to sort of study together and read together from the Bible, what really connects with our lives, you know, we recognize that this area of good relationships is fundamental really, really important, and actually how we live and the relationships that we have then start to impact uh, you know, the city and the communities that we're in. And actually, if, if churches across the land, if Christians across the land would get this right, then that would have a, a, a genuine impact on the nation where we live. So this stuff is really important, and it's not different to what Pastor Clive was preaching about last week. It's the same. It's all coming from the same place. And so... This morning, I want to read our text together. We're going to read Ephesians 6 together, and I'm going to share a few thoughts from that. And then uh, you'll be delighted to know that I'll stop talking for a bit um, and give some other folk a chance to talk, because I've invited a few people to share some of their experiences really practically to try and sort of give a a range of experiences of, of how this applies in real life. 
so we can really touch and see and feel what this looks like, practically speaking, not just you know, Ben talking for 20 minutes, but not quite knowing what this means for our lives. We want to make this as real and as practical as possible. So let's, uh, let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. should come up for us. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Let's take a moment, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray, speak to our hearts. We pray, speak to the lives and hearts of every person here this morning, whatever our background, whatever our situation with our parents in this moment. We pray, Lord, speak to our hearts. And we pray as we respond to your word that you will release to us life, blessing, and the prosperity that we read about here. Amen. Amen. So let me start by probably slightly confusing the the tech guys. I'm going to start with why, which I think might be the third thing on on what you've got. But let me start with why, because I think this is really important, okay? I want to start with, with why. Um, I have this, uh, this sort of half banter and half serious thing that I do with my kids, which is when I ask them to do something, sometimes they'll say to me, why? And if you're a parent, you know that. that you know, I don't think there's any parent or any child in, in the world who doesn't sometimes ask their children to do something and have their, their kids say, Why? And so I have this sort of long-running thing with, um, well, with Leo and Stella. Halvard's too young for this, right? We'll get there with him. But at six months old, he doesn't say why, and he doesn't answer back. So it's brilliant, actually. But, um, but he also doesn't do what we ask him to. But that's because he's just too small. So um, why? They say why. And I say, well, two reasons. And they'll go, we know, first, because I say so. And that's right. I just want to be really clear on this point. So when we ask our children to do something, the first why is because I say so, and I'm dad, and you're the kid, so do it. And some of you are challenged by that, but it's true. That's in the Bible. Now, there is a lot that comes with the responsibility of that position of saying because I say so, okay? That was what Pastor Clive was... So I'm not taking that for granted, but it's in some fundamental level, that's, there's truth in, in that. So I say to my kids, you know... One, because I say so. And two, and then whenever I possibly can, I'll explain to them why exactly it is I want them to, 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 to do that thing. You know, I hope, I hope I do an all right job as a parent, and therefore there's usually a really good explanation. And whenever I possibly can, I explain that to my kids. Um, but actually, I'm setting them up for a point where I won't always be able to explain everything to them in the moment that we're in. And that's, that's a good expectation to have in life. And I'll give you an example, really, sort of practically. Yesterday, we were, uh, we were hanging out with Anne and Tone. We were at the Charlton's house. Um, Stella was having a bit of a play up in Zoe's bedroom. So the two girls, they're up there um, typing on, pretend, on a real keyboard, I think. They were probably journalists or something. They love, like, projects, those two. And uh, I stuck, it was sort of time for me to go home. So I stuck my head and I said, oh, Stella, can I have a word with you outside? And you know, come and just talk to me for a second. And so, of course, she says, why? And I say, one, because I say so. And two, so by this point, I've managed to kind of get her out. And then I sort of say, okay, well, because we're going to go. 
I just want to understand, do you want to stay here and play for a bit longer? Or, you know, do you need some alone time? Do you want to sort of come home? And, you know, so it was a really good reason. I had her interest at heart, right? It was sort of for her to make a choice. And, you know, nothing wrong with Zoe. We love Zoe. Just want to be clear on that. And Stella loves hanging out with Zoe. But, hey, sometimes she needs some alone time. That's just how she's wired. And there's nothing wrong with that either. So I sort of try to say, you know, first, because I say so, come out here. You know, I don't want to have this conversation in front of Zoe. I don't want you to have to choose in front of Zoe. I want to kind of create an opportunity just out here to say, you know, what do we do? How do you feel? Da, 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 da. Well, in the end, we took Zoe home with us. And the girls, <laughs> <laughs> the girl, the girl, I, do you know, so, uh, so there I was walking around the corner um, with, with four children thinking, this is easy, right? Because they're all playing nicely together. So, you know, onlookers think I'm a brilliant dad. And I'm like, this is just easy because the two girls, they just play brilliantly. It's wonderful. Um, so she came back with us. But so to Stella, I was saying, you know, one, because I say so, come out with me. But two, because there's a really good practical reason that's going to help you and it's going to sort of, you know, get you, you're going to be able to do something you want to do without having a slightly awkward moment in front of Zoe if you need some alone time. Explaining that, because I really see an echo of that in the way that God deals with his people. So um, the passage we read is, children, obey your parents because this is right. You know, the first reason that we're given for this is, not because of any other you know, rationale or background or explanation, but just because it's the right thing to do. And it's really important that we kind of land that in our own hearts and spirits. Sometimes the Bible asks us to do stuff just because it's the right thing to do. Now, the second thing that we read about in this passage is um, Paul, as he's writing to the church in Ephesus, he echoes uh, one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, I have a way of remembering the Ten Commandments in the right running order that I'll take you through in another sermon. We don't have time for the the whole thing here. Um, But I do remember the the commandment to honor your mother and father is commandment number five. I don't know if anyone else sort of knows that or remembers that. I I love my way of remembering the Ten Commandments. We'll do that another time. Um, Commandment number five, because, you know, this is how I remember it. You would likely go up to your mum and dad and say, Hey, mum, give us a fiver. Dad, can you lend us a fiver? And if you've honored your mother and father, they're more likely to say yes. And that is how you remember that this is commandment number five. Very easy, very practical. So um, if you're here with your parents, you might just want to give this one a try, actually. Um, Ask them for a fiver. um, No, no one's up for that. Okay, so fine. So this is commandment number five. But Paul says, as he writes to the church in Ephesus, he says, hey, this is the first commandment with a promise. It's not the first commandment at all. But it's the first commandment that comes with a promise from God, a a release of blessing for obedience to this commandment. And so as I read that, it makes me go, okay, right, I should sit up and take notice. God speaks to the um, people of Israel back in the book of Exodus, and he speaks out four commandments, just, hey, do these because this is the right way to do. This is going to set you up. Um, This is right as you go into the land. But this is the first commandment, number five, that says, honor your mother and father. Why? It's the first one that comes with a promise. And so Paul echoes that. So I think that promise is just as um, alive, real, relevant, true, powerful for us in the, in the New Testament outside of the people of Israel. And, and so we should sit up and take notice of that one and say, okay, God, wow, there's real power in this. It's the first commandment that comes with a promise. And the promise is that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land that I'm giving um, to you, or, or as, uh, as the New Testament puts it, that you, a, a long life on the earth, a long life on the earth. 
Um, funnily enough, I was, I was looking at this. So the, I understand that in, in modern day Greece, I think is it birthdays or New Year where you say polychronia? Both. So there's a sort of uh, birthdays and New Year, I guess. In, in, in modern Greece today, you say polychronia, which means uh, terrible accent. No, it means um, long life. I mean, you have many years. And uh, it's the same sort of construction, macrochronia, many years of life to you in the land. So it's a real blessing from the mouth of God. And actually, we sort of see that reflected um, somehow in, in, in modern-day Greek culture, actually, which I just thought was really cool. So there's this promise and blessing from God. And, uh, and in a certain sense, I feel like this message would be much better coming from Pastor Clive because it's sort of the gospel according to Star Trek. Um, now, I, I, I don't want to sort of disrespect my pastor in front of you all, so I'm going to tread very um, carefully here. But uh, I'm not a big Star Trek fan. Uh, sorry. Um, but Pastor Clive really is. Massive uh, Trekkie. And so Karis, Rich, and Lil all grew up with sort of Star Trek trivia lodged in their, in their thinking. Um, but I do know bits of Star Trek, which is, of course, you know, the, the Vulcan greeting and farewell. Which, uh, why don't you do this? Just see if your hands can work like that. And I don't know if you've ever realized this before, but Spock stole this from the Bible. The Vulcan stole it because it's the same thing. Live long and prosper. This is the gospel according to Star Trek, right? So as Paul speaks to the church, he says, Honor your mother and father. Remember, this is the commandment. It comes with a blessing that you may live long and prosper. That's what it says in the Bible. You know, you can look it right there for yourself, Ephesians chapter 6. So why don't you just turn to the person next to you Take a moment, and in your best sort of Spock-like way, you want to say to them, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. And if you really want to get into full um, Vulcan mode, you know, say to them, live long and prosper. It's logical, Captain. It's logical to live long and prosper. So as we continue thinking about this text, there's something, we've done a bit of the why, and I think it's just, I really want to land that with us. We're going to come back to this as we hear people's life stories and experiences of, of this one, but it is really important to remember, you know, the heart of God is to bless his people, and he set up a way for that to happen by honoring our parents. That's a really important part of the way that God has set up blessing for his people, and so actually as we hear this word, and as we respond to this word and obey this word, um, there's a blessing in it for us. There's a blessing of pro- prosperity, things going well. Uh, there's a sort of a metaphor in the text of the road being smooth before you, things going well for the way that you live your life and having a long life in the land um, where you live. So as to who this is addressed to, we, we read in, in verse 1, who, children, children. And the word that's used there really does just mean children. And, and it, typically, it's the word that you would use of young children living at home. Um, and, and so inevitably, we go, okay, so the first audience of this sort of message, Paul was probably writing to a church setting where the letter would have been written out to, uh, sort of would have been read out to everybody gathered together. And so in a certain sense, actually, we need to go and share this message with the uh, kids' church upstairs and make sure they get this as well. And you can feel very free to preach a sermon at home to your children on your own time. You're very welcome to do that. So, you know, so the message here is children who are living in the home, obey your parents. That's absolutely the central heart of 
um, of what Paul's saying here. That's who it's addressed to in the first instance. Then he expands it by saying, well, remember, this is how God spoke as Israel was going into the land, honor your father and mother. And actually, the people being addressed, the who of that, was much broader than just the children living at home. That was a commandment to the whole people of Israel, um, you know, adults, children, at all different ages and stages of life going into the promised land. So as I read this, I do feel uh, it's right to say this is a command for every single person. You know, we recognize that some people will have different situations with their parents. Some people who have grown up knowing their parents very well. Some people will have grown up not knowing their parents. Some people have grown up with, you know, maybe adoptive parents or different sort of backgrounds or, or situations. Some people's parents would have been, um, you know, really good, reliable, faithful parents, and some people would have had a more difficult experience with their parents. So I recognize there is a wide range of experiences that, that, that we all have uh, amongst us. And yet, as I read what the text says, it, the expectation is whatever your situation or background, actually there's a call on every single one of us to honor our parents. That's a really important part of what the Bible says in, in this situation. And so maybe in a, a moment, I'll come on to speak about some of those other situations. But I think it's just really important as we set out studying this together to say there is a call for all. That's why we've called this series, All of Us. It's for every single one of us to honor our parents. And, you know, as we go through life, as we lead other people, as we disciple other people, as we help other people in our city groups and cell groups, we'll come across people who have different backgrounds from us, different experiences from us, different, you know, ways of doing things. And so it's really important that we listen with two ears to this kind of message. You know, one ear is for what this means for us right now. And the other ear we listen with is for what this might mean for our disciples in, at some point in the future, how we'll help um, other people with this sort of message at some point in the future. So the who is really, really important. One thing that really struck me as I was looking at the who here was also the, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. And I hadn't really appreciated before quite how radical that would have been. And so actually, in a certain sense, at the time that the commandments were first written, and even at the time when Paul the Apostle was writing to the church in Ephesus, it was much more a male-oriented culture. And it probably would have been a much more common understanding to honor your father as the head of the household, but perhaps not so widely accepted or understood that you would honor your mother for her role in the household. So Paul's got a real um, radical reminder for the Christian church that it's not just a case of, you know, a young man living at home might sort of grow up going, well, mum's in charge for now, but actually as soon as I'm a grown man, then I don't have to respect her anymore. And that's not the case in this text. You know, Paul's saying that all ages and all stages of a, of a man's life, he should honor his mother. That's a really radical thing. I think that's very radical for us even, even today. So the who is really important. Last thing I want to touch on is, is the what. And there's a couple of key phrases here. There's a, two commands and a sort of phrase that wraps around the whole thing. So the first command is to obey. There's a command to obey your parents. And as I said, you know, that's most uh, directed at young children still living in the family home. Um, I suppose... And if I sort of look through the other end of the telescope on that one and, and speak to the parents here just for a moment, one thing I would say with this is, I wonder if we really do expect our children to obey us. 
Paul certainly expects that children living at home would obey their parents. And I read something like this, and I think of the conversations I have with other parents or um, you know, caregivers kind of kicking around school playground toddler groups or swimming pools, wherever I sort of encounter other parents. And you know, it's not uncommon from time to time that I would hear a, a mum or a dad say something along the lines of, oh, they just never listen to anything I say, or I can't get them to be obedient to me, or they just won't, they just won't do what I ask them to do. Ugh, kids, you know how it is. And I sort of sit there going, I don't really want to sign up for that. Somewhere at some point, that parent has received a way of looking at the world that says, oh, well, my children just do whatever they want, and they don't obey me as their parent. That's just one of those things. And as I read the Bible, that is just not the picture the Bible says. You know, the picture the Bible has is that children would obey their parents. And we wouldn't just write it off and go, ah, oh, kids, they never listen to a word we say. I hope you expect your children to obey you, because that is absolutely the picture that the Bible has. The second command is honor, uh, which is an interesting concept, right? Because I think in the sort of modern society today and, uh, today's day and age, we don't hear the word honor used that often. It's sort of a, an unusual or abstract concept that we don't hear used a lot of the time. It, I was trying to think, you know, where do we hear this used day, day by day? The, the most I could sort of think of was, you know, if somebody was retiring or if someone was receiving, you know, a, a lifetime achievement award. At a, it, for the movie industry or something like that. You might hear somebody say, we're going to honor them for their contribution to the industry over the years. But it's quite an unusual, rare word that we don't hear in everyday life so often. We recognize that it means you know, to thank somebody, to respect somebody, to uh, be grateful for the contribution that they've made. And I sort of am aware that the culture of honor is something we see a lot of in the Bible. Um, but bring it to life for us sort of in the here and now in a society where we don't see or experience it so often, it's really important that we get a different sense of what that means in the, in the Christian environment, in the relationships God's calling us to have. So to try and bring that to life for us this morning, I've invited a few people to come. Um, so I'm just going to look out for them now and ask them to join me and with a couple of microphones and a couple of chairs um, and, and ask them to come and share uh, what that's looked like in, in their own lives. Brilliant. I'm looking around because we uh, have one, but we're missing two, two others. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Whew! Couldn't see you guys. I was like, oh, no. Have you texted to say that you have changed your mind? No. Okay, good, 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 good. Brilliant. Hey, thank you for joining me for this. Um, you guys are really quiet. You want to sort of just give them a polite round of applause. Just say thank you for saying yes to Ben, to encourage them. Um, I reckon I, I sort of I set you up for this, and you know I recognise that talking about family stuff in public, Karis and I were talking. I've probably shared more stories about my family and my connection with my mum and dad in the last month or two, or I don't know, a couple of months, than I probably have ever before, because it's personal, right? So it, you know it takes a certain courage to sort of go there. So I appreciate it, you know. So thank you for that. Um, maybe can I start with Paul? Why don't you introduce yourself for people who don't know you yet, um, and we'll. 
start asking you some Hi, stuff. Hi, I'm Paul Koshi. I've been part of the church since 1996. Is there any more that you'd like me to say? Oh, t- tell us about your family. Who, who, you know, who okay, I'm married to Fung Ying. Uh, uh, I've got two kids. I've got a seven-year-old daughter, Daniela, and a five-year-old boy, Tim. And your mum and dad are... Uh, my mum and dad are Koshi and Mary. Um, <laughs> some, of you, some of you know them. They used to be part of the church from maybe around about 2000 until a couple of years ago when, because of ill health, they've then uh, been, like they start to go to a church that was near to them. Now they're not able to go to the church, but, but it was a, they've got a support community that's local to them. So if I can start with Paul, maybe, um, why don't you tell us about what it was like kind of growing up? What was your relationship with your parents like as you were growing up? Yeah, so um, so this, it's, it's probably a kind of funny thing to think about when you're very young. Um, so but my memories of, like, my parents would be, yeah, you know, close to them, have memories of thinking, hanging off my dad's arm and thinking he was the strongest dad in the world, um, uh, but also conscious that there were pockets of time when, because of work, that he was away for maybe a year at a time in a different country. Um, and therefore maybe sort of seeing my mum more involved in things like teaching us to swim or that kind of stuff. Um, but then from about the, just before I was 12, so I was brought up as a Christian and we had a family prayer time every e- evening. And so they brought God into our lives in that sense, but their, their knowledge of God was at the limit, the level that they were at. But just before I was 12, they made a kind of fresh commitment to God and were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that just set them on a trajectory of hunger for God and, and a kind of upward curve of their own relationship with God and pursuit of God and experience of God. And that, it wasn't coincidental then, even though I knew God before then, that at the age of 12, then a few months later, that I made my own commitment to God in a very personal way, and they brought me into an environment, their own atmosphere that they created, but into environments where that sense of experiencing the pull of God on me to make a commitment to him. And then from that point on, then I would say that my relationship with God and their relationship with God was very woven together. Um, so again, like it wasn't coincidental that, that I then ended up you know, having my own experience with God and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. A few years after them getting baptized in water, it was all kind of tracking with their journey as they were seeking God, then they were influencing me, and that was uh, in my own responses with God. But also in my own journey, I was influencing them. So I had a friend who told me about tithing, so we had never come across that concept before. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start tithing off my student um, grant. And then I told my parents about it, you know, this is what I've learned and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, okay, well, we're going to start tithing as well, you know. And, um, and there were a few points in my sort of journey with God when, as a child, you know, eight years old or something like that, um, asked the children about the blood in the wee-wee story, and, you know. So there was a point where, you know, and I, w- I w- went to my parents saying, now pray for me, what, you know, what, yeah, we can go to the doctors, but why don't you pray for me? Because the Bible says, you know, Jesus heals people. So they prayed for me, and they saw me immediately healed a couple of times, and then that Tra- you know, impacted them in their journey with God of like, wow, God heals today, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was very much our relationship with each other. So from that point, from 12 onwards, it was a really close relationship of journeying to God to get together. 
Um, and uh, so I just see them as my as great role models to me. I think that I love them. I love their their heart. They love God and they love people. And if you think about what the Bible says, you know, love God with, with all your heart and love people, then they set me a great example of I want to be like them because, you know, they're not thinking about themselves. They're always thinking about other people because they're always thinking about God, you know. And the other thing that they brought into my life was um, that they didn't see color. They saw people. They didn't see, oh, you're, that, that's an Indian. We're Indians, so we hang out with Indians. Or they're, you know, they're, they're, they're this color or they're that color. They just never, they just didn't see that. They didn't even talk about it. And because they didn't see it, then I didn't see it. And so I just kind of grew up with, our oh, people are people, you know. And sometimes I'll look at my skin and say, oh, I'm brown. <laughs> you know, uh, you know. <laughs> and uh, so it's just that they just, that's the way that God impacted them. So then they lived that out and then that impacted me. They never told me that. I just saw it. That's but, really yeah. cool. Um, and I don't know whether they saw regional accents either, but you're obviously not from up here yeah. like me. Um, how did you come to be up here? Yeah, so um, uh, I applied to do a PhD, and the professor that I applied to do the PhD with phoned me up and said, we want to offer you the PhD, but we're, we're moving from Cambridge to Newcastle. Would you want to come? I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I have no idea where Newcastle is. <laughs> and uh, so that's how I ended up in Newcastle. At the same time I moved up here, then my parents moved to India, they both retired on medical grounds and they felt like God had called them back there. So they went back to India and, um, shall I roll into? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd yeah. love to hear so, about that, yeah. So they, they, they moved back to India, almost assumed that that was it, you know, that was where their life's mission sort of was with God. But then after about three and a half years and doing really productive stuff out there, they felt God speak to them saying, as they thought, God, what now, Lord, what now? We want to do more for you in India. They felt God speak to them and say, go back and minister to your children. So then they, again, up sticks, you know, sold everything, kind of up sticks again and uh, came back. And they, they assumed uh, that they were going to go back to London where we were from. And, and I said to them, oh, why don't you think about coming to Newcastle, joining me in Newcastle? And so they, so they then thought about it and then joined me in Newcastle, which was brilliant. And that was a, a real godsend. And that was like 15 years ago, so he says, more? 2000. Yeah, okay, okay, 19 years ago, wow. And then, and so what was that like then, all sort of being together in, you know, one church in Newcastle for a a Yeah, so that that was actually surprisingly easy. There was a point when I went to university and then I moved back into home and then felt a bit of like, how do I readjust to this relationship of having been away from them? So there was a pocket of time, a period where I, you know, maybe I'd um, sort of feel a bit like claustrophobic or... You know, how do I navigate and renegotiate the boundaries? Or not, not renegotiate the boundaries, but for my inner, inner self, how do I feel about this? So I'd done that adjustment several years before. So when they moved up to Newcastle and then I ended up living with them again, we'd already kind of experienced what does yeah. me as an adult work, how does that work with my parents? And so it was actually surprisingly easy. Um, and they, because of their sort of maturity in God and stuff like that, then, you know, they never wanted to control me or impose decisions they they like to you know give their wisdom and i like to receive their wisdom and that was part of the adjustment is it, you know is it there am i thinking that they're going to tell me stuff or or am i just you know am i welcoming their voice into my life and just as i might talk to a friend 
in decisions or I might talk to my pastors. Well, actually, here's some really wise, good people in my life. And actually, I want to open the door for them rather than them feeling like, Paul, we can see something. Can we, please, can we tell you? Actually, I want to open the door for their voice into my life, which was, so that's what I learned to do without so I was, I was them just going to ask, how did you sort of navigate that in a way that was like, hey, I want to honor you, but, you know, sort of be my own man at the same time? Um, so, so I, so I think one, one thing worth saying, I don't know if it directly answers that question, but one thing worth saying is a part of my desire, I've always had a desire to honor my parents, but part of that desire is actually my response to God, not just my response to them. I want to honor them because God wants me to honor them. So it's, it wasn't just about them. Me figuring that out, how do I honor my parents, was about me responding to God first yeah. and foremost. And so in that, then I think about, you know, how do I... You know, actually, honoring your parents is a little bit like honoring God. You know, you honor God with how you speak to God. You honor God how you speak about God. You honor God by how you involve Him in your life and give Him a voice into every into different areas. Of course, don't give your parents the same voice into your life as you give God into your life. But there's something of that. And then, uh, then also with your time and your money. So it's kind of like so in that navigating of decision making. Then I have to. face up to the fact that I'm ultimately responsible for my own decisions. I can't say, oh, my parents, t- as a grown man, my parents told me to do that. Yeah. And Clive actually helped me with that. Clive, our pastor, helped me with taking responsibility for my own decisions. That even when I felt like I worked for the church for a bit and sometimes I felt a bit of intimidation, like, what does Clive want me to do, you know? And then I, actually he helped me to realize that when I make decisions, even because I'm thinking that he wants me to do that, actually I'm responsible for that decision. And he never wanted to force me to, to control my life. He wanted, to, you know, he had wisdom to share into my life, but actually I was responsible for my decision-making. Yeah. Yeah. And that translated, whether I knew that or not, that, re- that would help in my relationship with my parents. I'm responsible for my decisions, but actually here's, uh, here's somebody, people that God has put into my life, and I can either close the door on their voice or I can open the door yeah. on their voice. They're not, and my parents, they're not going to push, push, push. So I have to open the door. They have a voice in, but then I take ownership for my decisions. So I, I'm really hearing that because that's <laughs> not something we'd sort of talked about before today. So if I sort of play that back, so honoring your parents is not the same as, you know, abdicating responsibility yeah. for your own life. Honoring your parents is saying, well, I make my own decisions. I respect their opinions. But ultimately, I'm, you know, I make my own decisions and I take that responsibility. So I think that's a really helpful, um, I think that's really helpful the thing I sort of wanted to touch on as well was just how your relationship with your parents has changed in the last few years particularly. Sure. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I guess sort of part of the... Because my parents are so close and I guess they were very involved in each other's lives and uh, especially my, you know, my dad's uh, somebody who listens well and talks well. So me and my dad, you know, I, I think I get some of that from my dad, so... <laughs> so we're like we're really like best friends, yeah. So uh, so w- uh, he'd talk a lot, and I'd talk a lot, and he'd listen well, and I'd listen well, and we'd share lots <laughs> of stuff. And how do I feel, and uh, all this kind of stuff. And my mum's, you know, very more action oriented, and shows care by a good thing somebody's action oriented, right? <laughs> now my, my dad's a, my dad's an action person, you know. So I, I can learn to be more of that as well. Um, but um, but then you know when you get married. Then it's a different ballgame, isn't it? Because your first relationship is with mm. your wife, and then it's about l- learning how does that, how does how, and that was an adjustment for all of us, really. Yeah. How you, how do you 
Um, one, you don't have as much time to, you know, y your time is, is in a different fam family unit. Yeah, yeah. And so you don't have as, as much time to, oh, let's talk for hours on, you know, whatever. And so, you ha so it's in a certain way, you have to kind of be a bit more efficient. <laughs> and, um, but it's still like also, but sensing, you know, I, I want sometimes the need is for me to, I need to talk and get stuff out to another person or my parents. But sometimes it's actually just honoring them by saying, if I, you know, actually they want to, they're interested. They, mm -hmm. they pray for us every day. They care for us. They give mm -hmm. to us, you know, and actually honoring them is giving them a window into what our life looks like and where yeah. we're at in some of our journeying, but not as much as I used to. But, you know, I need to give them a clue of what's going on. Otherwise, they yeah. feel a bit like they're not, they might worry more because they're thinking, oh, is Paul worrying about this? Well, yeah. I know I'm not worrying. I'm fine, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so just helping them in their, you know, yeah. That hey, yeah, that's really good. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And, you know, many of us have had the opportunity to be around with your mom and dad and sort of see they've been, we sort of joke that they're sort of grandparents to many of us. So they've just been a great voice into into our lives in many ways. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I sort of wanted to ask Feng Ying to share a bit about her story because I recognize it's not been, like I sort of said, everyone's come from different backgrounds. So your story's been quite different to Paul's maybe. Mm -hmm. So maybe you just want to tell us about sort of maybe when you became a Christian and how that sort of happened for you. Um, that was when I was in primary school. Um, you know, my mom and dad, they were not Christian, but church school at the time in Hong Kong was really good so they sent me into a church school that's how I came to know Jesus and that's in um, in a gospel camp not a gospel camp someone came to share the gospel with us and then there's something that he said when we have Jesus in our lives you have eternal life but when we don't have you have death that's when I felt like I want this eternal life I don't yeah. want death that's when I made my first decision then and that was primary yeah, school? That's yeah, that's primary school. Okay. Yeah, then I went to a Catholic school. They didn't let us have fellowship, so we did underground <laughs> fellowship. Yeah, we, we, it's only now that you ask me. It's, yeah, that's what we did. We, had, uh, we uh, rent uh, a place in a local church, and we met there every Wednesday after school. Wow. Mm. What did your parents make of that? Well, they... Uh, <laughs> There was one point my mum didn't let me go to church. She yeah. got a stick on her hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just my family. It might feel like oh, violence, but that's how I grew up. But that's something normal. Yeah, that was normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, in terms of relationship, I know what my dad did. I know his name. I know a bit of where he was born and a bit of his story. But that's really about it. Yeah. Like my, my siblings, I know... What did they study at university? You ask me, what music did they like? I don't know. Yeah. It, we, we, we like that. Yeah. Uh, we, it's only since I came over, I asked my dad, how are you? Oh, first time I could <laughs> feel I'm pulling. I was pulling my teeth because we never said things like this. Yeah. We didn't say, how are you? I never seen my dad holding my mom's hand. Yeah. You know, like it's... But it's, that's how uh, my family is. It's yeah. not, it doesn't feel, didn't feel like cold, but that's just what it was. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And so when you, maybe over the years after you become a Christian, did that start to um, evolve your relationship with mum and dad? Yeah, I think mum died when we were, when I was young adult. Yeah. 
that's when I felt, well, mum accepted Jesus before she died. Yeah. And that peace in her made me think, because mum stopped me from going to church. She stopped my sister coming home since when she decided to go to Bible school. Mm. She didn't let her come home for a month. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought when she believed Jesus and she got that peace, and that really made me think, God, what kind of love it is. Yeah. Like why my mum never, she couldn't read. Yeah. So she didn't read any Bible. Yeah. She, she didn't, you know, do anything that we thought you, she needed to do. But when she went, she had that smile on her face that I'd never seen yeah. in my life, as long as I, I could remember. Yeah. And then that really made me think, right. like, what kind of relationship it could be, you know, why my mum went so peaceful. And because of that, my dad started going to church yeah. every week to, like, a Wednesday group. Oh. Uh, every week, ring or sun. For seven years yeah. before she made, he made the commitment. Mm. Wow. Mm. He was really thinking it through. Well, we didn't know. When we asked him, you know, sometimes I think maybe from my culture, he's just like, yeah, just go uh, for the afternoon. Haven't got anything to do. Da, da, da. <sighs> yeah, you know, like you never, you never got a real picture until then when he made the decision. I ask, it's again, it's the same pastor and his wife let my mum to faith, wow. let my dad to faith. Wow. So, and my sister was working in the church then. Then I got my sister, asked him that he didn't sugarcoat it in the night to get him to say the prayer. And then, but the pastor said he had questions. Yeah. He asked and they talked about it up to the point he said yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then it took us another couple of years to remove all the idols in the home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Because it was a very different background that yeah. he was coming from. Yeah, yes, yeah, more fear. He yeah. he knew that they're not real, but he was afraid like that there might be something bad might, might come to the family. Yeah, mm. yeah. And he was, um, from what you were saying the other day, he was very protective of you. Mm. And I think there was a time you said at university when you were sort of exploring your where your future might go and he was maybe worried about what that would look like. So maybe you can sort of tell us about that. Yeah, I felt called to... Um, to do Christian work, like reach out university students. That was what, when I was at university, I was very involved and I really felt, oh, there's nothing that I could think of doing. And then, and then, then I thought, oh, but God, I don't think Dad would understand. I don't think he could. What do I do? I want to honour him. You know, that's my goal. Since Mum died, I felt like I didn't do what I could have done. You know, my mum was poorly. Um, it was quite hard. I admitted, you know, that I avoided. There were times it was too painful to be around, yeah. and I had my accommodation. So I sometimes I chose to stay at accommodation, and I found it too hard to be at home. So my mum died, and I felt like, God, this my girl. You know, I want to honour my parent. I want to honour my dad. Yeah. So when I felt the calling, then I asked God, oh, God, you need to help me. You know, this is what I feel you call me to do. Yeah. And you ask me to honor my parent, and that's yeah. on my heart. And please, will you make a way for me to talk to him? Yeah. Then I went home to do my dissertation. We were eating. I said, Dad, uh, you, know, you know, like when I graduate, you know, what do you think if I um, do something with uh, church? He said, don't even think about it. I know <laughs> what you're going to do. 
You know how much money have you lost already? He counted all the money that I could have earned and everything. You know, if you do this, you don't have to go all the way there to do all this study. You don't need that qualification. Don't even think about it. If you do it, you will really disappoint me. Ah, uh, and then yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, which uh. is like, yeah. Go but on. I knew, you know, like he's just telling me his heart rather than, you know, like he said no. Like I, I felt like that's uh, open conversation there. Yeah. You're such an optimist. You know, like in my, in my family, <laughs> that's an open conversation. Instead of just saying no, you know, like you don't, you know, even you, either you do it or you don't come home, not like that. Yeah, and then, um, then I came back. I didn't say anything anymore. And then, um, then I came back and I prayed, oh God, you need to make a way. Yeah. You know, like I, I know it. If I apply, if I, if I go ahead to apply, I don't think he will feel that. I was honoring him. I'm oh. honoring him. Because he is like, I don't blame him because he couldn't understand. Yeah. Then I asked oh God, will you help? Then within the next few months, a few significant things happen to my family, to me and to my family. And then, um, so within those months, when I, whenever I call home, my dad's like this, why do you call me? I haven't spoken to you for a week. Do you not have anything to talk to me? Um, it's... It's about the same, no. And, uh, and they said, all right, then. He didn't even say bye. He just, ding. There were times I just ran back. Why did you hang up on me? Yeah. I don't have anything to say anymore. That's why I hang up. And I'm like, that's how open, like, that's our conversation. That, but that's what, better. What At least like? he took my phone call. What was it like uh, praying in those periods? Like when I wrestled. Like... Yeah, God, I felt that burning desire. I couldn't stop doing it. And at the same time, I couldn't stop thinking about my dad yeah thinking about god like contradicting this is what i read in the bible like to honor my parents and i felt like i'm not doing that yeah well yeah so so that i pray and then then the last time when all these things happened and i said to dad dad look this is what happened and i told him this and that and that and i said look dad god's just not being good to me it's not just me it's Look, he's blessing our family. You know, look at my brother, our brother, you know, like your son. He's been at home for three years since mom died, and now he got a job. He got a really good job, and we prayed, and this happened. Dad, you know, like God's just not being good to me. He's good to our whole family. And I felt encouraged, and I said, I was like, like pulling my teeth so Dead. some of the other things yeah. where you'd prayed and seen um, God really like move with someone else. Yeah, in like intervention. Your dad could um, kind of see that that was that um, you know God was at work somehow. Yes. Yeah. Then I said, Dad, can we give God some time to show us how good this job is? And then there's silence <laughs> on the phone. I was like, and then he said, Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That then, yeah, that's before he uh, he made the commitment like, to believe yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, because mm. yeah, he was still exploring for himself at, at that point, I guess. And but like you said, not sure about a lot of things. And um, yeah. and and then you know, so t- as time went on, I suppose from what you're saying, he had opportunity to see God's help in your life as, as well, and sort of how that. So actually, there was some reassurance for him. Yeah, I. I <laughs> I just thought, ah, oh, is it just that he just, he couldn't stop me? Is it just like he just thought, oh, right, I can't stop her doing it, just let her do it? Or what? Did he actually feel like it's good? 
So I kept him, like I kept him uh, up to date, you know, like what's going on, what happened. The, his response is like, eh, uh, okay, uh, don't do, don't get too involved with that, you know, careful with your money. <laughs> And I'm like, like, That's what dads just, always say. That's yeah, why. like, you know, things like that. And then, ah, oh, okay. And then I ask him, will you pray for me? Okay, I, I have, I have. And then, yeah, and it's, it then, so, so I thought, well, there's some, sometimes I felt like, oh, that's encouragement that he, I felt like he got it. Sometimes yeah. he just like, ah, oh, and then I think, just, just some expressions. And then, but then it's when, when it's on his funeral. Then um, his friends, not Christians, he did exercise with in the morning. They told us, your dad told us, it's your elder sister. He, he said, I, do, I never need to worry about my eld- oldest and my youngest daughter because they always made good decisions. And my oldest daughter is my sister who's, who's, who went into the Bible school, yeah. served God full time, and the youngest daughter is me. And then, yeah, so from hearing that, then I knew, ah, oh, yeah. that, that I, I praise God. They're just it really, really grateful. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's really cool. Hey, thank you so much for sharing that. It's really good to hear some of that experience. Um, I, I'm think, thinking about something else that I read in Ephesians 6. It'll be great just to touch on in a minute, but maybe let's, um, let's give Jen a chance to share about her story. So, Jen, I was going to ask you how you became a Christian as well, actually, if that's all right. Um, so, I became a Christian. T- 12 years ago, almost exactly, um, I was working as a very junior doctor, I'd only been qualified a few months, in a hospital in Sunderland. Um, And by a series of kind of uncanny um, occurrences, I'd rotated into a job that I wasn't supposed to be doing with a girl who also wasn't supposed to be doing that job. And that girl was Antonia. And we we were uh, on the ward one day, and um, we were just kind of faced with some really difficult, sad situations. And um, we're in a little doctor's office, and I I heard myself say, I'd never thought about this before, but I heard myself say, you're a Christian, aren't you? Tell me, why do you think all this horrible stuff is happening to these people? And in the course of the next hour, we were supposed to be at a meeting. I think we just started the <laughs> meeting. Um, the next, obviously, Antonia knew the priority was, was me. And, um, and she told me about the gospel. She told me her story. Um, and um, she invited me to her cell group, as it was then. Um, and I, I went along to that cell group and... I guess here I am now, many years later. Yeah. Um, and so I guess the background is that you didn't grow up like in a Christian home at no. all. So I'm from Harrogate in North Yorkshire. Um, and honestly, growing up was quite tough. Um, my parents divorced when I was four. I went to live with my mum for a while. Some really quite difficult things happened. I then went to live um, with, my, with my dad for a while. And my grandparents kind of did a lot of the bringing up. Um, and... It, I guess by the time I came to know Jesus when I was 24, um, I hadn't spoken to my mum at all for about 10 years by that point. Um, she'd completely been cut out of my life. She was essentially um, dead to me. And I know quite a few people in this room have probably heard my story of forgiveness, about how God really helped me to forgive her. Um, I was really blessed. My dad is a wonderful man. Um, but it's just really interesting hearing Fung Ying talking about her interactions with her dad. Because my dad is a proper Yorkshireman. You know, why say a sentence when a grunt will do? Um, lots, you know... Uh, I don't he, think that's just men from Yorkshire. I think that's... Um... <laughs> I think he has it down to an art. But, like, he, he never would... Again, in our family, it wasn't the norm to tell each other you loved each other. Or to, I, I knew and I know that my dad absolutely does, but... 
um, a few months after I became a Christian, I went on an encounter. And, and in those days, I don't suppose we do this so much now, but we used to encourage secretly people who were going on encounter, their relatives and loved ones, to kind of write letters so that at the end of their encounter, when God had done this amazing stuff in their heart, they then were able to open and read these letters. And um, my dad wrote a letter um, and telling me that he loved me and he was proud of me. And that was a really the very first time in my whole life he, I'd ever heard that from him. Um, and really helped again in, in the kind of healing um, of my heart. But my parents didn't and still do not know Jesus. Um, I have kind of vague, I have lots of step parents. And, um, and I remember when I first became a Christian, really feeling a bit, again, my mum wasn't in my life at this point, but feeling really sick at the thought of telling my dad, like, what would he say? It's, you know, my, my family just don't see themselves as, you know, faith as, as a thing that's important at all. And thinking, what will I say if he sort of tells me that he doesn't want me to do this, that he doesn't want me to come to church, that he doesn't want me to kind of pursue this. And I prayed and praise God, he, you know, his attitude was very much that he'd seen his daughter who was broken, absolutely broken, getting phone calls to say that I'd been hospitalized again after a suicide attempt, having to come with me to hospital appointments where I was seeing psychiatrists and all these things. And, and then he saw that change in my life and um and, and I think despite his perhaps reservations he could see that this could only be a good thing um and has been supportive but I guess um I've just been ruminating over what Ben's been saying what I've been hearing and for me it's this kind of this sort of line of walking of really honoring my mum and my mum is back in my life now as again many of you will have heard the story of how that happened but honoring my mum and my dad but also not being, but being true to who God has made me. Yeah. So my, my parents come and stay with us in our home. I have a wonderful husband, Jared, had three beautiful children, and we live our lives for Jesus. This isn't just something that we come and do on a Sunday morning. This is, this is everything. Everything that we do yeah. is around our love for God, and, and they come and they see this, and I, and I kind of feel that, oh, goodness, they feel awkward, you know, when you're sitting down to, to eat, and they start to eat. Oh, wait, 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 we've got we to gotta pray, you know, <laughs> their faces. And, and, and it would be so much easier to just you know water down my faith while they're here because it makes everyone feel a bit more comfortable but actually I need to honor God too yeah. and, and actually I was really um, impacted a few months ago by Steve's word on on um, I guess idolatry and mm. and that yeah we have these these five vision principles is it five God yeah. ourselves our family our ministry our work is that right yeah. and all those things are important but god has got to come top and even yeah. though we're hearing the importance of honoring our mother and our father we need to honor god first so um that's kind of really give me the confidence to lovingly um you know sort of smile at them and say you know we pray in this house and 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 not not water down who i am in god when they're around but also honor them at the same time so and so how did it go so from being in a place where you became a christian but you had effectively no kind of connection with your mum maybe no contact with her what what sort of happened to take you back into contact with her and again forgive me if you've heard this story because it is something that i've shared a few times um on encounter i haven't by the way oh, well, That's there like, you, you go. Know, so you, you guys can listen um, in, but i actually haven't heard this <laughs> so for me it was a process it was an absolute process and i remember when i first became a christian being very aware early on oh god's probably going to want me to like you know sort out the mum situation isn't it because <laughs> it's so much easier this way you know um and god was able to kind of bit by bit and 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 i learn and i and i and i, I share frequently that that forgiveness is a choice in the same way, many ways that honoring someone is a choice. Yeah. 
you do it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And and so this forgiveness kind of happened in stages and um and I was able to kind of forgive my mum and all I chose to forgive her every day. I chose and I chose and I still choose because this is the thing, you know, I, and now I see the biblical ma- um, model of family, you know, in this church and and I have amazing spiritual parents and and sometimes i can feel like my my real parents are falling short because they don't get it they don't get the god bit they don't get how important jesus is and they might make decisions that i feel really disappointed by and and honestly you know i'm going to put my hand up and and say even over the last few years there's times where you know a text message comes and i think i'm just not going to reply to that i'm just i'm just going to ignore this you know i'm not going to respond to that person and 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 it's still a choice to honor them and say, well, the Bible is really clear, isn't it? You know, that we need to do this. And so I, again, grit my teeth in the same way that I did when I forgave um, my mum and, and I reply. And I try to, it's just the importance of keeping a soft heart and not yeah. becoming hard-heartened to the things that happen. Because you we've got to say soft. And I was showing this with Ben yesterday. Again, I do it because God... God's really clear that, that we need to, but have you ever heard that phrase, you are the only Bible that some people will ever read? Mm. My parents don't read the Bible. I'm not sure they ever have, but they see the Bible in me. And if yeah. my response to them is sweet, is, is considerate, is loving, is respectful, is giving, yeah. that's only going to give them you know, um, a sense of who God is. Yeah. If I'm moody and aloof and disgruntled and frustrated Which at them... Which you never are. It's no, fine. of course not. <laughs> Um, you know, that, how is that making me? The Bible says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I've got to do that in their lives because ultimately I want to see them saved. I'm so encouraged hearing um, Fung Ying's testimony of both of her, her parents yeah, giving their hearts yeah. to Jesus before they passed away. My parents were in good health, amen, but they haven't <laughs> yet made that commitment and I'm desperate for them to. And, yeah. and, and I keep on praying and, and prayer is really powerful. And a vision person conquers everything in prayer yeah, first, sure. but then my honouring them is part of that salvation process. That's really, yeah, that's really good. I think that's, that is really, really good. Thank you. Um, I, thank you all so much for sharing with us. That's been really, really good. And I want to um, wrap up by sharing one other thing from Ephesians chapter 6. So why don't we um, thank you very much and let you get back and, uh, and take a seat. So Jen really... Um, well, actually, Jennifer and Ian probably both really opened the door to, the, to, to unpacking this last thought from Ephesians chapter 6, which is um, Paul writes to the church and he says, Obey your parents in the Lord. And this is such an important phrase. I just want to sort of finish with this and, and land on this, which is um, the, the what, obeying, honoring your parents. But it's all done in the Lord. And that means that the, this is a phrase that Paul very often uses when he describes um, in Christ or in the Lord is a phrase that describes the believer's new status or new identity or new position in life. The very new being that we become by being a Christian is in the Lord. That's the sort of the wrapper, the language that Paul puts around it. And so we understand as we read something like that, that we obey in as much as that's in line with our identity, with our standing, with our nature, with our character, with who God's now made us to be. That's the really important part of it. So, and, and sometimes that means that we honor our parents because in the Lord, we're called to honor God. And so by honoring our parents, we're honoring him. Or sometimes it means that we obey our, obey our parents in the Lord to the extent where it doesn't conflict with what God's called us to do or who God's called us to be or the new identity that God has, has given to us in this situation. So it's a really, really important phrase, a really important sort of wrapper 
that sits around this sense of honor and obedience. And I really heard that come through um, both with, with, with Jen and Feng Ying, that you know, obeying your parents in the Lord doesn't mean you, or honoring your parents in the Lord, doesn't mean you agree with them on everything necessarily, because sometimes you might feel called to something in God that your parents might not see or carry faith for or understand quite in, in that way. But it also means, you know, I suppose the sort of image I have in mind is, is, is somebody saying, you know, the sort of the, the teenager running out of the house and saying, no, I'm going to church and you can't stop me and being very disrespectful in the way that they sort of um, conduct themselves in that way. And I, I really appreciated hearing from, from Feng Ying and Jen that actually, even though um, Feng Ying was part of an underground movement, she did it in a really respectful way um, towards her parents. So that was great to hear. But there, I think there is something in that. You know, we, we're not sort of saying, okay, so let's all have arguments with our parents because we want to follow the call of God. No, we can politely and respectfully disagree with how our parents might see certain things, um, but, you know, still pursue the call of God. And I think, you know, that wrapper in the Lord reminds us that our earthly parents will not necessarily get it right all of the time. And for some of us, that's more true than, than for others of us. And so we're not sort of honoring them in the Lord, isn't saying, you know, we close our eyes and pretend that they're perfect and that there's nothing ever gone wrong and that they're completely wonderful. No, that's not, we know that's not the case. That would be sort of dishonest of us. But we say, well, in the Lord, I choose to think the best of you. In the Lord, I choose to recognize the position he's put you in in this world and in this life, and therefore I choose to honor you because by doing that, I'm honoring him. So, you know, and, and, and Jen shared, sometimes the, the path towards honoring our parents, forgiveness can be the first step for many of us on, on that path. I think that's a real um, d- true sort of concept. So, you know, for some of us, forgiveness is a really important part of moving towards honoring our parents. So I think we're sort of at the end of our time together this morning. Um, I'm sure we'll be picking up some more um, practical conversations around this in city groups. But uh, why don't you stand with me as we sort of draw our time together to a close this morning. And I'd love to take a moment to pray through uh, some of what we've been looking at uh, and talking about this morning. So really just in, in this moment, you know, for some of us, we will have felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, recognizing that in the way that we've spoken to our parents or you know, maybe spoken to them, maybe spoken about them. We have not honored them, spoken well of them, respected the position that God's put them in in our lives. For, for some of us, that may be true. And so there's just a moment to bring that before the Lord um, and ask for his forgiveness and covering over that. And it's such a blessing to know that at the cross, we all get a fresh start. So where, if we feel that we have fallen short in some way of honoring our parents, then really just in your mind's eye, imagine yourself coming before the cross and having an opportunity to bring those mistakes to the cross, believe that they were held up there with Jesus and that he's given you a completely fresh start in the way that you talk to your parents. Just can see that in your mind's eye now. And for, for some of us, as we've been talking, uh, there's probably been a feeling that, well, my parents are just, they've just, they've made all the mistakes. My parents have just made such a pig's ear of everything or just haven't been around at all. How can I possibly uh, honor them, you know, when I don't even know them? And, I, you know, I, I really hear, I hear that. You know, I'm not, sort of denying this tr- there's truth in that for some people it's been a hard road 
but somehow believe there's healing in God for that background um, and for that situation you found yourself in. And I do believe that there's a path through forgiveness and into honoring your parents. So if you're in that place this morning, if you know that's something that God's speaking to your life about, again, just want to give that opportunity to bring all of that to the foot of the cross and believe that at the cross, Jesus took away the imperfections that were there and the hurts that were there and released over our lives his healing, his wholeness, his new identity, his new position in front of a Father in heaven who really cares about us, who's never let us down. So, Lord Jesus, we pray for every person who needs that inner healing in this time. God, I pray, release that now over our lives as we meet together. Pray, release that. We believe, Lord Jesus, because of the cross, you made that possible for each one of us. So we pray, release that over our lives this morning. As a practical, practical application, I want to set you a challenge for today, which is simply to make contact with your mum and dad. It might be easy because they might be here this morning. It might be harder. You might need to give them a call. But if you can, call your mum and dad and find a positive thing that you can say to them, just to speak well to them as you see them this afternoon. And, you know, you're not doing it for their sake. You're doing it for your sake and you're doing it for the Lord's sake. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And you're doing it because there's a blessing uh, wrapped up in that commandment from God. There's a blessing to live long and prosper. So as we finish our meeting, I just want you to turn to the person next to you with one final spock-like greeting and say, live long and prosper. Amen. <laughs>